Welcome back, Oscar fans. After a little hiatus, the shine has not worn off. Parasite is still best picture. Our president is not happy about it, but I remain happy about it. But that's the past. We are here today to talk about the future, and I'm happy to welcome back Mark Kozak. Thanks for joining again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a really pleasant surprise to have Parasite win and Joker not win. So everything after that is a bonus, and we're living on borrowed time here. So this year, you know, anything can happen. I can't enjoy things for too long, so I'm already looking forward. But I'm actually excited about this. Today, the plan is to do, in essence, a 2020 movie preview, but this is an Oscar podcast, first and foremost. And so the way we're going to do it is a little bit of a game. We are a couple weeks out from the 2020 Oscars. We're about a year away from the 2021 Oscars. Remember, the calendar was all pulled up this year. Next year, it returns to kind of a more historically what we're used to as far as the timeline. So the Oscars will be in late February. That means we have about 12 months. We're going to play a little game today where we go category by category and try to guess what we're going to be talking about come next February. Just thinking about this for this game, it was interesting that the 2020 Oscars for 2019's movies, you had a lot of really big name established directors who even in the beginning of the year you kind of knew, okay, this is going to be this is going to be something we're going to be talking about at the end of the year. I don't really feel that as much this year or the big names that are coming out this year are more genre things that aren't traditionally awarded by the Academy. So I kind of feel like we could be in for some surprises or for some some new different kinds of movies that we're probably not even going to mention at all today, but um, I think there's still some, some, some bigger folks that we can talk about for sure. But this is all a guessing game, people, so when we listen to this a year from now, it'll kind of be interesting to hear how little we know about anything. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So the plan is to go through all 24 categories. Mark and I are each going to pick one movie per category that we think has a good chance of being nominated. We're not going to try to guess winners. That would be, first of all, completely impossible because so much goes into what wins in a given year. Also, there's a lot of repeat wins, and we're going to try to keep it to one pick per movie. So we're kind of going to try to pick each movie only once throughout our own individual picks. We might have crossover against each other. And then we'll come back uh, once the nominations come out and, and see how, how it went. So... Any, any thoughts on this game before we get into the actual picks? <laughs> well, it's difficult, right? If you look at the Oscars from this last year, there's only a handful of movies that kind of get nominated for every category. You know, obviously there's exceptions here and there, but you're looking at, you know, 1917, Parasite, uh, Scorsese's movie, Tarantino's movie. Those are really represented across many categories. So when you, A, you can only pick one, and then I, I, I tried to not pick ones that you were also picking. It, it made it really hard to find movies that aren't duplicative. So uh, some of these are going to be really out of left field, and I'm sure there's no chance that some of these will be nominated in the end, but that's why it's a game, right? Yeah, I, I think I underestimated my first mover advantage on some of these. Thankfully, there's no actual stakes. Anybody who is listening at home who thinks this sounds fun, which I applaud you if that's the case, uh, feel free to tweet your picks to at CompletestCast, and I'll, I'll keep track of those too. But let's get into it. And I think the best place to start is with visual effects, because I believe this is going to allow each of us to talk about one of the movies that we're most excited about for the year. And so for me, the single most exciting movie for me this year is Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet, which is sort of a time spy 
film that's coming out this summer. It stars John David Washington, Robert Pattinson. Coming on the heels of the 10-year anniversary of Inception, which is mind-blowing to me that that was a decade ago. But the visual effects for this are going to be done by somebody named Andrew Lockley. He's won two Oscars already with Christopher Nolan for Inception and then also for Interstellar. So it seems like a safe starting pick for, for a nomination in this category. Well, like you said, Christopher Nolan's last two, possibly even three movies, won, won the award for Best Visual Effects. So it's definitely a pretty safe pick to go here. In terms of best picture or other the bigger actor categories, I don't think no one's really had any any success there. I know Dunkirk was nominated for best picture and didn't win. He was nominated for Inception too, didn't win, which is a bummer for me. Even though the Social Network was a favorite among a lot of people, but that didn't win either. <laughs> yeah, and and this movie, if you've seen the trailer, uh, there there appears to be some kind of time travel element and. He's definitely back playing within his kind of sci-fi realm of genre, which, again, the Academy is not a huge fan of all the time. So I think picking it for visual effects is definitely a smart smart call. I can't wait for this movie. What did you have in this category? I want to say the last couple years, there's always been one token Marvel movie in this category. Uh, it usually doesn't win. In fact, I don't think a Marvel movie's ever won for best visual effects, which is kind of strange when you think about it because... Marvel movies are 90% visual effects. And they're basically the preeminent visual effects movies every year at this point. Yeah, I was, I actually kind of was surprised Endgame didn't win, but um, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. But if since the point of the game is to only get a nominee correct, I'm going to go ahead and pick Eternals as my pick for visual effects. I don't know how much folks are familiar with the characters of Eternals, but it is very sci-fi, very cosmic level. There's going to be a lot of visual effects. They're going to throw a lot of money at it. Um, the cast is stacked, so I think uh, it's got a late late year release. So I think I feel pretty good about that getting a visual effect nomination. Yeah, it definitely seems like a safe play. Um, this is going to be film number two and I guess entity number three in the phase four of the MCU. There's Black Widows coming out in May. There'll be Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus as a TV series in August. This will come out, The Eternals, and then... WandaVision will be another Disney Plus series in December. So get ready for a lot of Marvel this year. Sticking with the Eternals, I guess we can move to the next category, which is makeup and hair. I have the Eternals here. Joel Harlow is doing the makeup. He's got three nominations uh, in the past for kind of sci-fi type of makeup jobs, and he won in 2009 on J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. I'm not a comic book guy in general, but I understand the Eternals to be kind of deities, and I imagine that would involve some makeup um, the cast here, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, Kumail Nagiani, and the director is Chloe Zhao, who made a movie called The Rider. So this will be a, a, an interesting one. Not totally sure what to expect, but you have it for visual effects. I have it for makeup and hair. What'd you come up with for makeup and hair? This is a tough one because I have to admit it's not a category I spend a lot of time thinking about. I'm going to go with something a little off-kilter, kind of to save some of the bigger names for other categories. I'm going to go with uh, an upcoming film from Robert Zemeckis called The Witches. Hmm. Um, it's based on the Roald Dahl novel, and it's the second time the movie's been adapted. It's got a huge cast, uh, Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci, Chris Rock, uh, and it's kind of it's set where a little boy kind of comes across this conference of witches uh, and gets transformed into a mouse kind of dark-ish period piece kind of think Matilda Coraline those kind of vibes I think there's going to be a lot of fancy makeup and hairstyling um, I could be totally off base I don't even know if this movie is going to get a lot of traction when it comes out but um, we're going to go with it <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good pick I think Anne Hathaway 
in a very strange uh, stretch of her career. So she is on a Netflix movie that just came out with Ben Affleck called The Last Thing He Wanted. It was not very well received at all. She's doing this Robert Zemeckis Witches project in November, and then in January she'll be in a Sesame Street movie. Really? Um, so that, that though, seems like a, like a really good pick for makeup. Song. Best original song. What do you have here? Um, I know what you're going to say, and it's probably the only actual song you can pick because it's the only one that we know the title of the song at this point. So I, I'll let you go first. Well, I should, I should kind of caveat something. That, that's a really good point. So there are some of these... There are movies that are coming out this year that we don't even know the names of. I think certainly in a category like best song... Picking the movie is probably easier to do than picking the name of the song when some of these soundtrack lists haven't come out. Now, what I'm going to pick has come out already. We've all heard the song. This is a year that's going to be really heavy on musicals. There's actually an Oscar. I'm going to have an episode about this coming out. There is an active Oscar since 2000 for Best Original Musical that has never been awarded because there has to be at least nine eligible films, and there never has been. There might be this year. I guess I'll go with my actual song first which is not from a musical. It's from the upcoming James Bond film, No Time to Die. Billie Eilish is singing the theme song here. I'm going to do an episode around the release of this movie specifically about kind of James Bond movie theme songs and how often or not often they're nominated for Oscars. Spoiler alert, it's not often, but the last two have been nominated and won. And this song sounds a lot like those songs. I think that when you combine that with Billie Eilish having done the In Memoriam this year, she seems to be right in that wheelhouse of like a young relevant person that the Academy can feel safe with. I would be pretty surprised even this far out uh, if she's not nominated. Yeah, I, I think this is pretty much a slam dunk. Um, having her front and center at the Oscars as well this last year for some unknown reason, <laughs> other than um, everyone knows who it is right now. She's so hot right now, why, why not? But yeah, I think... I think you're pretty correct here. I'm going to go, I'm going to predict a song by an artist that doesn't exist yet, uh, but I'll just tell you the movie. It's uh, Disney's upcoming animated fantasy film, Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, it comes out around November. It features Cassie Steele and Aquafina doing the voices. Nothing is known about the soundtrack, but I'm picking it only because a Disney movie, especially of this stature and release, is bound to get some large pop star to produce an original song for this movie that will likely be heard by children and families worldwide. I'm thinking of Frozen and things of that nature. So although I can't tell you the name of the song or the artist, I'm going to guess Ryan the Last Dragon is going to have a Best Song nominee on it. Uh, that's a good. That's a really good guess, and that's a movie that obviously could have come up later when we talk about animated, but that's a good one. Yeah, I, I just look now to see if any track listing has been released, and there's no information, so kind of a, a cop-out pick by not picking a song but at, at this point it's kind of hard to tell best original score yeah I, f I feel pretty good about my pick uh it's gonna be pixar's soul if you saw the trailer it is very music heavy the plot is very music heavy it's uh, a jazz musician so there's gonna be some of that going on there but the original soundtrack is going to be made by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. It's also going to have original jazz music from uh, John Patiste, who is the, the band leader for Stephen Colbert's Late Night Show. So I think you're going to get some good music in that around a product that is, and a plot that is centralized around music. And it's going to be original music, uh, so I think that's my guess here. These are all really good picks. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross obviously being 
kind of becoming some of the preeminent scorers across all media, I guess. They most recently did The Watchmen, obviously probably most famously did The Social Network. My pick there was Terrence Blanchard uh, for The Five Bloods. Terrence Blanchard uh, scored Black Klansman with Spike Lee, and The Five Bloods is the next Spike Lee joint. Um, it's African-American Vietnam War veterans returning to Vietnam. It's going to be on Netflix. stars Chadwick Boseman, uh, who played Black Panther, Paul Walter Hauser from Richard Jewell is in this, Jonathan Majors from The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Blanchard also scored Harriet this year. Seems like, I don't know. I'm surprised you used this for best score when you easily, I mean, I feel like this is a lot for best picture, probably a best actor or two. Yeah, and you're, and you're I don't want to say you're wasting it on the score category, but interesting decision. Fair, fair, and I, maybe, I, maybe I share too much about it if, if you have it in the picks down the line. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to keep it moving through some of these below-the-line categories because this could easily turn into a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. <laughs> so I'm going to move into production design. What My pick here is Arthur Max for a movie called The Last Duel. This is a Ridley Scott film that's coming out uh, toward the end of the year. It is going to be the first shared writing credit for Matt Damon and Ben Affleck since Goodwill Hunting. It stars our Adam Driver, um, Damon and Affleck are also both in it. It's based on a book, and it's it covers two best friends in 14th century France who are ordered to fight to the death uh, after one of them accuses the other of raping his wife. Seems like a little bit of a dark movie, but 14th century France, you would assume, would involve some production design, and Arthur Max has been nominated three times um, for The Martian, Gladiator, and American Gangster. I was tempted to put this in Adapted, but I thought there was a more obvious pick. So uh, I'm going to use Arthur Max here. What did you pick in this category? I was torn between two, but I'm going to go with uh, Guillermo del Toro's new movie, uh, Nightmare Alley. Uh, Del Toro's last movie, The Shape of Water, of course, won Best Picture. It also won the Oscar for Best Production Design. Uh, You know with Del Toro you're going to get some crazy beasts and just some kind of crazy magical setting. I'm not sure what little we know about this movie now tells too much about what to expect in terms from Del Toro. It almost sounds a little more normal than some of his other things, but um, it's something that Del Toro definitely cares a lot about, and I, I think it's a pretty safe bet. This is one of a couple movies that could really change the trajectory i guess of the oscar race this year it's not a sure thing to come out in 2020 this one looks likely to pull into 2020 paul thomas anderson also has a movie that could be pulled into 2020 that's probably less likely obviously anything from del toro or uh pta that comes into the year has a chance to really shape the race yeah it's it is a slight risk i think um principal photography just began on this del toro movie in late january so uh it might not not make it it it's going to be close and you're right paul thomas anderson's movie i don't think has started filming yet um so i'm kind of not expecting that this year but yeah it'd be a shame to to lose out on this category for a movie that doesn't even come out but it's the risk you gotta take i think it's a pretty sure thing that some of these movies we're talking about will get pushed out other things may get pulled up you know, it's the challenge of doing it this far out, but also I think I feel like this is when it gets really fun to talk about before we've had, you know, 50 conversations about The Last Duel or whatever. Film editing. I got a 100% lock on this one. Whoa. I feel pretty good about this. Um, and that's Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. There you go. If you've ever seen an Edgar Wright movie, editing is, is huge. Uh, I believe Baby Driver got a nomination, if not winning Best Editing. I'm not sure offhand. Um, the rapid-fire nature and meticulous structure of Edgar Wright's movie is, is visually something that is, is 
is distinctive and his his editing style is as well so i think uh, i feel pretty good and i'm super pumped that edgar wright's one of my favorite filmmakers and it's been a while uh this one sounds it's more of a crime thriller i believe than you know it sounds a little less silly than i guess than some of his other things but uh, i'll be interested to see if, if if he plays it more serious than some of his other material but i still think you know it's going to be a visually really good looking movie yeah, there's a time-jumping element to this one, too, which is reflected even in the cast. You have Thomas and McKenzie from... She was in Jojo Rabbit, Leave No Trace last year. And then on the other side of it, you have Diana Rigg, who was an original Avenger, you know, a 60s kind of staple. And I think that this movie involves some jumping back and forth between the 60s and present day. I'm very interested to see this movie. I was kind of struggling with where to slotted in here um and i actually didn't have it anywhere so that but i think film editing is a good place to put it i don't think wright's movies have been recognized by the academy that much uh, and again maybe because he plays in genre or comedy even i mean when you think about his three best known movies it's probably the cornetto trilogy and as much as i think hot fuzz is probably one of the greatest movies of all time i don't think it was gonna get recognized by the academy so um, maybe this is his play to get more serious consideration. I mean, Baby Driver was a, was pretty lighthearted, but a little a little more realistic in tone than his other things. So um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. Well, and Baby Driver, obviously a project where he really leaned into the technical aspects. And so editing, again, it, it does seem like maybe that's where he would first break through. We're going to get to a couple now that are very, 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 very hard to predict. And that is the shorts. Just to give some context on where the shorts usually come from. So Tribeca Film Festival in April is really the first big slug where you see a number of shorts come out that are then nominated for Oscars. That lineup is not even out yet. You then have an animation festival called the Annies that launches a lot of the animated shorts. That lineup is not out yet. So picking these this far out is a complete shot in the dark. Um, I have... A couple that I feel better about um, than one of them, you were just going to kind of tag along with my picks on this one. Right? Yeah, I, you know, and, and admittedly, shorts aren't something that I watch a lot of. I'd like to, but I just don't get around to it much. And because of the shorter time it takes to make, I think there's less preview time where you know things are coming. And uh, even trying to research things for this podcast, there's very little information about this. So I'm, I'm going to let you take this one away. So... The short that I am most confident about is the only one of any of these movies that I've seen. That's because I think it's one of the only ones, having not gone to Sundance or any festivals like that, that has even been available to release. And that is an animated short called Loop. You can watch this too. It's already available. It's on Disney+. Plus. This did get a qualifying run in theaters, so it will be eligible uh, come animated short season. And I would not at all be surprised to see this one nominated. This is from Spark Shorts. Uh, which is kind of the Pixar experimental branch that allows some of the employees within Pixar to make their own projects and put them out on Disney+. Plus. This one has been really highly lauded. It is a story about a young boy and a girl who has some sort of social disorder. She can't really speak. She, you know, I don't know if it's autism or, or what exactly it's meant to be, but it's them on a canoe trip. I think the thing that really jumped out to me about it, I mean, the plot is definitely fairly message forward, uh, but the animation is really stunning. There's in particular some just scenery shots of like the lake and the kind of surrounding area that are pretty 
amazing and, and photoreal. And, um, so I, I would not at all be surprised to see that nominated. Kit Bull was nominated out of Spark Shorts this year. Um, so that's my best guess there. Documentary short. There's one called John Was Trying to Contact Aliens. This won the Short Film Jury Award for Nonfiction uh, at Sundance this year. Now, there's limited shorts crossover from Sundance to the Oscars. Like, for context, last year, this award went to a movie called Ghosts of Sugarland. That was shortlisted in this category, but not nominated. Um, I didn't think it was that great, honestly. Um, this one sounds interesting. John Shepard spent 30 years trying to contact extraterrestrials by broadcasting music millions of miles into space. After giving up the search, he makes a different connection here on Earth. Really well received. Again, won the, won the short film jury. So that's my guess there. And then live action short. This is a complete shot in the dark. If I hit this, I deserve to get some sort of monetary prize. A lot of the festivals, again, like I said, I mean, just looking at where the films came from last year. So Saria and a Sister were locally exhibited in Los Angeles. They didn't even have festival premieres. The Neighbor's Window, I believe, played Tribeca. That's what won. Brotherhood played Sundance. And then Neft of Football Club, which was nominated, played Cinequest in San Jose. And Cinequest in San Jose is one of the only one of these festivals that has released their schedule. So I combed through the live-action shorts uh, for Cinequest San Jose. This is intense research. <laughs> this is, yeah, I really need like better hobbies or something. The Rocket Ship is a movie from Iceland that seems to have a pretty professional marketing apparatus behind it. They have a number of festivals lined up. It won the Golden Egg from the Reykjavik International Film Festival in Iceland. It has kind of an intriguing premise. Sean and his brother Joe build a space rocket in their back garden to escape the turmoil of their mom's financial struggles. If this is nominated for anything, then... I guess I deserve like a professional job with variety or something, but you know, rather than leaving a blank, that's what I'll go with. I admire your, your deductive reasoning here. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good way to, to go about it. I, I, I was not willing to spend the time that you were, so good on you. <laughs> well, actually, I think better on you probably. <laughs> um, all right, back to the to the more feature level stuff, and this may be an opportunity for for you to plug um, as we get into the international feature category. Yeah, um, and obviously with our last international feature winning also the Best Picture last year, I think there might be some increased attention around this category. There's also some pretty good stuff coming out that, that I can tell you about right now. Uh, before I do that, I want to mention two films coming up by traditionally foreign language directors that are making their foray into English language. I don't think these have a chance of nominations. I just think it's fun to mention. Well, and in fact, they... They can't be nominated. It has to be foreign language. Right. Um, uh, the first one is a film called Annette, which is an upcoming musical by Leos Carax. Uh, it's his debut in English. His last movie, Holy Motors, is probably one of my favorite movies of the decade. It is one of the weirdest movies of the decade. Uh, it's not a guy who produces a lot of films. He's, his filmography, his feature film-length filmography is not very long, so it's kind of an event when he releases something. Much less his English language debut, much less starring Adam Driver, uh, Marion Cotard, and Simon Helberg uh, in a musical. And if you've seen any of his previous movies, you've got to be thinking, how is this going to, what, I, give me this movie now. It's, it's going to be crazy, bizarre, everyone's looking forward to it. It's probably top ten, most anticipated for me, if not top five. If you haven't seen Holy Motors, check it out, it's outstanding. Uh, again, not not, not won't be won't be eligible for foreign language film, but 
but definitely could show up uh, elsewhere in the in the award <clears throat> for sure. And it's not a sure thing it'll be released this year because uh, he is pretty mysterious uh, generally. But um, there's a decent chance it'll be out this this year. The other one I wanted to mention is from another typically foreign language filmmaker making his English language debut. I'm gonna butcher his name. I know his first name is a Pichapong, and his. Actually, if you're in the film circles, you probably know what I'm talking about anymore, so I'm not even going to try and <laughs> try and say his last name. But he has a, an English-language film coming up called Memoria, uh, starring Tilda Swinton. Um, his movies, uh, I'm not sure if you saw Cemetery of Splendor or, or some of his other stuff. Uh, very slow-moving, kind of a plotting pace. Very, It's kind of filmmaking that I really like, but it's hard to recommend because it's very slow, slow-paced uh, and ponderous. I kind of wanted to mention it because he's a very, very well-known foreign language filmmaker making his English language debut, so it's something to get excited about. Yeah, this one was picked up for distribution by Neon. If we think about other South Asian movies picked up for distribution by Neon, a little movie called Parasite, most recently. Yeah, uh, I think this will this will get a push in, in any category. Uh, if I can see this debuting at Cannes, honestly, but we'll, we'll see. Um, one more movie to mention that is foreign language, but one that likely will not have a chance at winning. But I thought it'd be fun, quote unquote fun to mention, and that's the new film from Roman Polanski called An Officer and a Spy. Uh, this has actually already been released at the 76th Venice International Film Festival last August. It won the Grand Jury Prize. No United States distributor has touched it yet. But you gotta, you gotta imagine someone's going to take a chance on it at some point. Polanski obviously has a history with the winning Oscars. Uh, by all accounts, this is a great film. Uh, I don't want to get into the the morality or the politics of, of liking Polanski in the short time period that we have here. But if this does get picked up for United States distribution, uh, or if it follows the rules necessary to get your an Academy Award nomination. Could be an interesting conversation that, uh, that will be had later in the year. So as for my winner, I think this is a pretty safe bet, and that's uh, Benedetta, the new movie from uh, Paul Verhoeven. Uh, it's an upcoming French bio- biographical drama film. Verhoeven's a very, very well-known name. His last movie, Ellie, Ellie was outstanding. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, yeah. Obviously... It's nominated in Best Actress category. Yeah, obviously RoboCop, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. Everyone knows who he is. I think it's a pretty safe bet that this is going to get a, a foreign language nomination. Yeah, that, that's a probably one of, the, one of the best picks that you can make. You mentioned cons. So five of the ten shortlisted international features last year and three of the five nominated did play cons. The cons lineup's not out, but they're... Because it's such a massive festival, there's a lot of prognostication about what will play cons. And the movie that I'm picking is a movie called The Story of My Wife. That is expected to premiere at, at cons this year. The director is Ilda Kinyetti. She made a movie a few years ago that was nominated in this category called On Body and Soul. That was her first film in nearly 20 years. This one's a German-Hungarian-Italian co-production. I expect it'll end up being submitted out of Hungary. One of the producers is Martin Ade, who produced Tony Erdman, another recent Oscar nominee. Um, this is based on a 1942 novel about a sea captain who makes a bet in a cafe that he'll marry the first woman to walk into it. Just the fact that this is Ilda Kinyetti, that it is pretty highly anticipated going into Cannes, um, that's going to be my pick here. It's a good pick. I, I can totally see that happening as well. I also think 
it's going to be interesting, and it was last year, to determine which country goes with which movie. Um, a lot, especially France, uh, South Korea, some, some of these countries that are becoming more into the American mainstream now have tough decisions on which director and movies to really throw their weight behind in terms of getting this, this foreign language uh, Oscar award. I think Parasite really kind of threw a wrench into everything when it comes to this category. I think it's something that the Academy's going to have to consider more seriously as there's an interest going forward. And maybe I'm just being overly optimistic this is going to happen and maybe we'll forget all about foreign language films in the next couple of years. But um, I would encourage everyone to try and watch foreign language movies as much as possible because there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that even the two of us will never hear of that gets released that, that's outstanding stuff. Yeah, there really is. And I think that as far as the kind of country by country, obviously Parasite puts more emphasis, I think, in some of these major film producing countries like France, Italy. Also, I think what ended up happening this year with Les Miserables being submitted from France and now seeing the the reception of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is out in theaters now, which wasn't even eligible. It's unreal definitely kind of bringing to the forefront um, within these international circles kind of the limitations of that that policy for better or worse look at the marketing push that parasite made like for a foreign language film that's unheard of but it, it works um so i think you might see something similar tried again yeah this year i think so documentary a lot of these categories are very hard to predict ahead of time documentary not so much there were 15 shortlisted documentaries last year. Nine of them played at Sundance, and Sundance has already happened. So it seems reasonable to have a decent sense of what might be in the mix. And the one that I'm going with is a movie called Boys State. This won the Grand Jury Prize at Sundance. It was then purchased by A24. It is in a year where there'll be an election, um, a political documentary about a decades-old program run by the American Legion uh, in states across the country that is, in essence, a mock political system. This is a real thing that happens. Young students act out, I guess, the democratic process. This documentary kind of captures those some of the partisan tactics that we see in Washington, kind of from like a psychological human nature perspective. So everywhere this has been received just enormously well. Um, people seem to love this movie. It was also, it was purchased by A24 as part of their deal with Apple. I don't totally understand the contours of that deal, but I know when we did the screenplay episode, we sort of made fun of A24 and their inability to land nominations for some of their movies. You know, movies. I actually am excited about many A24 movies this year, but I didn't pick almost any of them for this for that same reason. <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting this year, there's a couple things. So one is that Neon won a Best Picture. And... As they try to stay relevant, I mean, A24 and Neon, I'd say, are probably, as far as the lane that they try to play in, the most direct competitors. You wonder if that success for Neon will put some pressure on A24 to put a little bit more umph behind their awards pushes. Also, they have this new joint deal with Apple. Now, again, I don't totally even understand all the contours of this deal, but Apple certainly has a lot of money, and it would definitely seem as they sort of lose the streaming war to Netflix and to HBO that they could benefit highly from an award season success, especially after their sort of fiasco with putting all their money behind the banker last year. Um, so I think that Boy State anyway is 
is my pick here. Shout out to randomly two two A twenty four movies coming out this year that I'm pumped about that probably have no chance of winning an award. First Cow uh, is out now, if not very soon. Uh, the Kelly Record movie. It's going to be great. I already know it. And my favorite, w- one of the most underrated filmmakers to me working today is David Lowery. I think A Ghost Story is probably my probably my favorite movie of the last five years or so. Uh, and he has a movie coming out called The Green Knight uh, featuring Dev Patel. It's a medieval fantasy film. The trailer came out last week and it looks insane. Um, I know that's not related to what we're talking about, but A24 has a great slate of movies coming out this year. I wish they would get more Oscar attention than they did last year, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see. What did you have in documentary? Uh, documentary, I'm torn between two, and they were both at Sundance. Uh, the first is Crip Camp. Uh, the documentary that's next on the Obama's slate of Netflix documentary programming. Uh, American Factory, of course, was a, a tremendous success. The, the first foray of Obama's uh, documentaries with Netflix. Won this award. What won the award. Um, this one got some great buzz out of Sundance. Uh, it's about a, a summer camp for teenagers with disabilities down the road from Woodstock. Uh, and kind of how, how their lives are transformed by the community and they kind of ignite a... a a movement within the communities. Don't have to wait too long for Crip Camp. Uh, this has just been scheduled for release on Netflix March 27th, so we'll get to see this one soon. I think that's probably a safe bet for a nomination, but I think an even safer bet is the Kirsten Johnson, uh, yes. Dick, jo- Dick Johnson is Dead, which I believe won the Documentary Special Jury Award uh, this year at Sundance. Kirsten Johnson is kind of a legend in the field. Uh, the Oath, Citizen Four, um, her camera person is the New York Times. That was one of the best movies of the decade. The camera person's fantastic. Um, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. And this kind of sounds very similar to uh, her style, but her style is very interesting. So um, kind of transitions between your typical observation documentary and uh, more of a fantasy from what it looks like. If you haven't seen her things before, she does a, she does a great job of kind of melding traditional documentary style and uh, uh, she plays with the form of, of filmmaking to kind of add a, a dreamlike kind of surreal nature to these films. And this one kind of sounds similar. Uh, it's, it's, it's about her, the attempt to keep her aging father alive using the magic of cinema. Um, uh, she uses cinema to kill him, resurrect him, and celebrate his last years on Earth. Uh, it toggles between observational documentary and fictional fantasy. You know, I haven't seen it, but it, obviously it won the, the Sundance Award for documentary. And giving her stature in the documentary field, I think it's a slam dunk that this will get nominated. Yeah, she has a real depth for pulling in those personal family elements. Camera person does that a lot, too. In fact, it kind of deals a bit with the end of life of her mother, and this one is, is kind of reflecting on the end of life of her father. There will be tears. We've already put some uh, some minutes on the books here, but we're getting through the below-the-line categories. Um, a couple left to go. Some of the technical ones. Um, sound mixing. What do you have there? So I'm going to cheat, and assuming they don't change this, which is possible to make the two audio categories one, yeah, that's a I'm going to use the same... I don't know if this is allowed to use the same movie for both of the sound categories. Can we bend the rules a little bit here? Yeah, let's bend it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go for both of the sound categories with In the Heights. Um, I thought about using it earlier, but I didn't. I'm going to use it here. only Not only because of the musical elements, but because you're going to deal with large casts, people speaking over each other. Traditionally, big 
special effects heavy movies I, I feel like get these categories because it's you know noticeable audio maybe due to the dearth of musicals this year this will be included as well um kind of I don't want to use some of the other bigger movies for this category, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in the high tier. There's a pretty solid history of musical type of movies coming into this category this year. Um, Rocket Man was in the mix, obviously last year. Bohemian Rhapsody. That seems like a good pick. In the Heights is kind of one of I would say three musicals that, or, or actually I would say one of four musicals that really have a chance to be major tent poles this year and very relevant films to Oscar season. I will for, I have a different pick for sound mixing and sound editing. Now I assume my sound mixing pick, you're going to talk about more, so I won't really talk about it, but I'm going with Mac Ruth for Dune. I was, I wanted to go there, but we'll mention that later. (laughs) Mac Ruth himself has three nominations, Blade Runner 2049, uh, obviously with Denis Villeneuve, 13 hours, the Martian, and then sound editing since I can't just nominate it for best score of all time, I'll just go with the plain sounds from Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Interesting guy here, Al Nelson, uh, who's the no- who would be the nominee. He has 18 Golden Reel nominations. That's a little bit more of a technical award. So highly respected. He's won that a number of times. He has never been nominated for an Oscar. So it seems like if Top Gun Maverick's going to get nominated for anything, this seems like probably the only possible thing. And that'll be my pick. That's that's a good one. I you know I've totally forgot about Top Gun too. <laughs> we we laugh, but is there a chance? On the range of movies that I needed to see a sequel to, Top Gun isn't even on the list. I know, but I you know when the trailer came out, I was kind of like, all right, this is <laughs> it's just that score. I think yeah, I think you're probably it's just so good. All right, last couple here: costume design. I'm going with Ruth Carter here. She won for Black Panther two years ago. She was inexplicably not nominated for Dolomite Is My Name this year. She's trying again with Eddie Murphy, a Coming to America sequel called Coming Number Two America. You're calling this for an Oscar nomination. So this is a December release. Ruth Carter, I think a lot of people felt like was snubbed this year. She's just such a kind of giant in this area of uh, the awards. That's the only reason. I don't think this is going to be um, uh, kind of similar to Top Gun. I, I didn't really need a Coming to America sequel. There's also a Beverly Hills Cop sequel coming out this year. So I'm um, really, really ringing the cash register for what it's worth. Um, did you come up with a costume? I did. And, you know, I'm, I'm just looking now at what I wanted to do with this category was find a prestige uh, historical costume drama because... You know, a Little Women, Phantom Thread, uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Anna Karenina, The Artists. These are all past winners in the last couple of years, and it's very, pl- it's very clear what either a the Academy voters aren't really thinking that hard about it, and they think, oh, this this looks fancy, why not? Or it's the only opportunity that is obvious to this category for the, yeah. the regular voter to see. So I couldn't really think of one this year. Um, I'm going to go with the movie that we'll talk about later. Well, we can kind of talk about it now because I think you're doing it for a category that makes more sense where we can talk about the person. But I'm going to go with David Fincher's Mank here. Yeah. I think I probably speak for both of us when I'm super excited about this movie. It's been a while since Fincher has done a feature film. Uh, he's been kind of in TV land for a while. <clears throat> but this one is... The story is about the writer of Citizen Kane and the problems that arose during it. So there you got your historic bends. 
uh, probably lots of men in suits and old school dresses and, you know, people in period clothing. So um, I think probably a decent bet here. And, of course, the cast is Gary Oldman, who's a chameleon. Uh, they can make him look like anything. So um, that's my guess here. Yeah, really good guess for costume. I actually thought about this for makeup, too. I, I am using this one later, so I didn't, I didn't use it, but... The original Citizen Kane obviously was a very makeup-heavy movie. We had you have Orson Welles kind of at various stages of life using a lot of innovative makeup technique, and a lot of that work was done by basically an intern on the project. And when it came time to give the makeup credit uh, for Citizen Kane, the intern, uh, the kind of company that the intern worked for, wasn't willing to credit sort of this low-level apprentice type of employee. And so Orson Welles refused to list a makeup credit at all for the movie. So, you know, somebody who's as kind of thoughtful as David Fincher, um, you would think would be aware of that. And, and it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they use uh, makeup. It would almost be poetic justice for it to win the makeup award. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. But, but definitely a good pick for, for costume design. So moving on to cinematography. This one might be a little bit of a reach, um, but... You know, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I talked about, or you talked about Roman Polanski. I'm going to pick a Woody Allen movie that is also on the slate for this year. Um, it's a movie called Rivkin's Festival. The cinematography is done by Vittorio Storaro. Now, he has been not, he's won three Oscars um, for, especially for a movie that um, you may have heard of called Apocalypse Now. He's not done much at all in the way of American cinema for almost 20 years. Um, this is a Woody Allen movie starring Christopher Waltz. It's going to premiere at the European Film Festival in April. It's a little bit of a roll of the dice. I don't expect Woody Allen to get much love within the Oscars at this point. Now, I mean, Midnight in Paris obviously came out after some of his, his public troubles, but just the way that... Um, Great way to put it. Yeah, you know, not, not to get too similar as Roman Polanski, we won't get into a deep moral conversation here, but I think just the way society has even evolved in the last few years, I, I'm not sure I see Woody Allen getting a ton of nominations for Oscars. The Academy does love kind of these these masters, these kind of living legends, and Storaro is somebody who I don't think has offended anyone. Um, so that that's my pick there, but, but it is maybe... You know, it may end up looking very irrelevant by the time the actual nominations come around. Interesting choice, um, but I definitely can't argue with your reasoning. The most obvious choice, and I can't believe you didn't choose it here, um, probably because you're using it somewhere else, and that's Dune. Denis Villeneuve, Villeneuve is always a visual visual artist. Uh, he's not working with Deacons again, who's worked on in the past couple of movies. Uh, instead, he's working with uh, Greg Frazier. Um, Greg Fraser also has Academy pedigree. He's he did Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Foxcatcher, Rogue One, Vice, Mary Magdalene. Um, he's actually doing the new Batman movie. So someone who's certainly well known in the industry. And come on, it's Dune. You know it's going to look amazing. So um, I think it's pretty pretty safe lock that Dune's going to get a, a cinematography nomination. Yeah, I went with Dune for sound mixing. Um, this is this is a pretty ant- highly anticipated movie. Um, I know that even just as we were talking about this episode. I think you brought it up maybe five to, to <laughs> 15 times. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so obviously based on 1965 science fiction novel from Frank Herbert, it's proved notoriously difficult to put to screen. Uh, David Lynch made a version in 1984. If you just looked at Letterboxd, 
2.9 stars. Not terrible, not good. 2000, they did a mini-series on this. 3.1 on Letterboxd. Not terrible, not good. But this is Denis Villeneuve, obviously coming off of Arrival and Blade Runner 2049. Stars Timothy Chalamet. I'm bullish on this. I think that he's going to pull it off. He's one of those filmmakers where you just like have an irrational, like, like you want him to succeed based on like nothing really. But, um, <laughs> just liking I, his movies. I, I think guess. it's he's willing to take on these big, seemingly difficult productions, and he's pulling it off so far. So I think everyone enjoy pulling for him here. And the last below-the-line category, I guess, you've already used a couple of the movies that I would have thought about um, for animated feature. We've talked about Pixar's Soul. That's my, that's my pick here. It's from the creator of Inside Out, and I think it seems like it's going to use a lot of that same emotional poignancy that made Inside Out such a success. No love, no love for Onward, which will be coming out shortly. It's also gotten really well-received um, and definitely could be a pick, too. Is, is What is your ultimate pick here in in feature for animated um well i'm not gonna pick either of the pixar movies i think onward is pretty genre heavy it's got an march or april release uh whereas soul is in november it seems pretty prime for this kind of thing and a little more serious topic and it also has like the heavy hitters of pixar uh writing it um i have to choose between my head and my heart here um my head says raya and the last dragon Disney Animation Studios November release it always you know pretty safe bet considering the no- usual nominees in this category are like the bigger budget like I wouldn't be surprised if a Minions movie gets a nomination yeah but I'm gonna go with my heart instead and that's gonna be uh, a movie called How Do You Live um, by Hayao Miyazaki the absolute legend behind the Studio Ghibli animations um, Spirit Away is one of the biggest animated movies ever um he doesn't make movies that often, but when he does, they're absolute events. Um, this has an anticipated release right before the 2020 Summer, Summer Olympics. Big time interest. Um, Studio Ghibli actually signed a deal with HBO to have all of their films released on a streaming platform for the first time ever once HBO Max launched. I think if you don't know who this is already, there's going to be a lot more people getting to know him. Um, in the the coming year and you should because he's a genius and I think this movie is going to get a nomination yeah that's a really really good pick so that was a lot of time talking about a lot of movies that or a lot of categories that most people don't follow that I kind of follow religiously let's get into the top eight kind of the big categories that that kind of command the most attention okay starting with best adapted screenplay what'd you go with here I wrote down so many choices for this. There's a movie that came out of Sundance called Zola that was a. Ad- I am not saying that only because I'm not sure what the rules are of adapting a screenplay from a Twitter conversation, which was kind of the premise behind that movie. But by all accounts, that's excellent. A24 picked that up. I wanted to bring that up in score because Mika Levy is like my pet project that I have no influence over. Would be getting Mika Levy a score Oscar after her work on Manos and Jackie. She's scoring that film. Okay. Um, Joel Cohen of the Cohen Brothers has a movie called Macbeth. Obviously, everyone knows what Macbeth is. Uh, I'm only not picking that because there's it might not come out this year. So a lot of a lot of good choices there. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, I have to go with my favorite filmmaker of all time has a movie coming out this year. Finally, it's been so long, and that is um, uh, Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Um, it's a Netflix movie. 
unknown release date because I think I think it's done, but I think they're actually waiting for later in the year. That's just my guess for for Oscar's consideration. Uh, it's based on a novel of the same name by Ian Reed, which apparently it's very tragic and and emotional. And Charlie Kaufman is very tragic and emotional in his filmmaking. Uh, Jesse Plemons is in this. Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette. Uh, I know it's going to wreck me already, and I think Charlie Kaufman's clout and, and kind of reputation as one of the preeminent screenwriters is going to win out here. I'm really excited for this movie, too. It's Every year, I feel like, as people are projecting the Oscars, they think a lot about kind of what happened last year and try to model it, and that doesn't always work. But if you're looking for an analog here, Noah Baumbach was somebody who had kind of one writing nomination in the past, as Charlie Kaufman does for adaptation, had some films that were probably, honestly, less seen than certainly than Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or even maybe being John Malkovich. Getting that Netflix platform, not totally clear. There's some Netflix movies we're talking about here, but it's not still completely clear where all the awards energy is going this year in the same way that, you know, there was The Irishman this past year. And they certainly, even though Netflix hasn't been able to win Oscars yet, they've shown a lot of penchant for getting their films nominated. Um, this seems like a, like a movie that really could take off. I'm personally just excited to see Jesse Buckley, who I loved in Wild Rose, and who I think is going to get a, a lot more people kind of getting to know her through this this project. I want Kaufman to succeed so bad. There was He did that round of press around the time when Anomalisa came out where he was kind of bummed that he couldn't get the financing and nobody really trusted him after Synecdoche, New York, which was his director debut, really bombed financially. And I think he's one of the legit geniuses living in this field and I, I, I think Netflix is a good place for him just hopefully because they'll give him the freedom that he wants and I hope this succeeds so bad so we can see more of him because it takes too long to get Kaufman in, in our lives I will say he also has a book coming out this year in fact in a couple months um, I'm not sure if, if that's something it has nothing to do with the, uh, the Oscars of course uh, it's its first novel. It's called Ant Kind, a novel. Uh, it's due out July 7th. It's, it's about a neurotic and underappreciated film critic who stumbles upon an unseen film made by a, a strange outsider. Kind of familiar ground for him, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a big brick of a book, and I'm pretty pumped to read that as well. So hopefully this is the year of Kaufman. Hopefully. My pick here is Aaron Sorkin for The Trial of the Chicago 7. It'll be out in September. Obviously, a we will be past the real Democratic convention during the summer, but kind of on the heels of the election season. This is a story of the Chicago Democratic National Convention in 1968 um, and a group of seven defendants charged by the federal government with uh, conspiracy inciting to riot and other charges related to the anti-Vietnam uh, war and countercultural protesting that happened that year during the, during the convention. Movie stars Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Aaron Sorkin obviously has been an Oscar favorite. I didn't realize Molly's Game was nominated for the, for this category. So. It was Molly's Game a few years ago. Obviously, The Social Network, other movies from Sorkin, Charlie Wilson's War, Moneyball, A Few Good Men. So, seems like uh, about as safe as you can get this far out. Yeah, I think along with Kaufman, when you think of like screenwriters, you're going to think of Sorkin and, and Kaufman. So I feel like 
two of the bigger names and and who are known for that kind of thing uh, with new movies this year. It's yeah, good picks. <laughs> so then moving on to best original screenplay, and I think for this one you are taking what I would probably take as my first one. So I'm instead going to go with Mike Mills for a movie called Come On, Come On. This is starring this year's Best Actor winner, Joaquin Phoenix. Mike Mills made what I think is one of the more underrated films of the decade, 20th Century Women, which was in fact nominated in this category. Um, And Come On, Come On uh, follows a documentarian who goes cross country with his nephew. This is set for distribution by A24. Mike Mills is somebody that I think the Academy really likes and respects, and this is one that I could see getting a lot of traction later in the year. Makes sense, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that as well. Um, I'm going to, despite my earlier protest, protestations, I'm going to also go for an A24 movie here, uh, and this is based on some buzz that came out of Sundance. It's called uh, The film's called Minari, uh, written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung. Uh, it's got Steven Yeun in it. It's about a Korean-American family that uh, moves to Arkansas and kind of discovers what they think the American dream is and what their place is in it. Uh, I've got rave reviews out of Sundance. You know, a little hesitant about A24 marketing around Academy time, but um, I think based on earlier reactions, this is something they might put their weight behind. It's kind of a quieter film, um, but I- I'm, I'm going to take a chance and go for it here. Yeah, this was really well received at Sundance. couple categories left. Best Director. We talked about Mank already. I am going with David Fincher for Mank. Again, this is the story of uh, kind of the co-writer of Citizen Kane and covers the time period uh, in which him and Orson Welles are writing Citizen Kane. Fincher's wanted to make this movie for a long time. He actually tried to make it after he made a movie called The Game in 1997, if you remember. Um, and then the studio wouldn't agree to shooting it in black and white. Um, Netflix, obviously a lot more liberal with allowing their filmmakers to take chances and, and try some of the things they want to do as, as pet projects. This screenplay was also written by Fincher's father uh, before he passed, so it seems like a lot of backstory around this movie anyway that could play well with the Academy. And then starring Gary Oldman seems like a movie that could could really be a contender come the fall. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good bet there. I, I probably would have guessed that here as well um, but I've already used it so uh, I'm going to go in a different direction and that's uh, Sofia Coppola there she's go. got a movie called On the Rocks coming out this year uh, starring Rashida Jones Bill Murray, Marlon Wayans and Jessica Henwick uh, it's about a young mother who reconnects um, with her, her playboy father on an adventure through New York guess what it's also produced by A24 and Apple TV it's you know Sofia Coppola had a lot of Oscar attention for Lost in Translation. Not so much since then. Uh, her movies are very well received generally. I, I'm a big fan of hers and I'm pretty excited for this. Um, I, I think this is her year and, and I think she'll get a nomination here for sure. Yeah, I actually thought you were going to go with this in original screenplay and I feel like that is, uh, I probably would have even picked that over Mike Mills. Um, definitely a... <laughs> I'm gaming you here. Yeah, that's I know the kind of the meta strategy of our <laughs> meaningless prediction game. Five categories left. We got two acting categories uh, per gender, and then a best picture nominee. Who do you have for best supporting actress? There's a couple of places I wanted to go here. Octavia Spencer and Witches is is a potential here. Uh, Nicole Kidman's going to be in a movie called The Prom. I feel like someone like Nicole Kidman gets nominated every year. Another musical, right? Um, but I'm 
But I'm going to go with Cerise Ronan, who was robbed this last year. Um, she's going to be in a movie from Neon called Ammonite. Uh, it's also starring Kate Winslet as well. Um, it's an 1800s period drama, of course. <laughs> um, I think her star has been on the rise, and I think she... I feel like she deserves one, or it's her time, and if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. So, at the very least, I think she'll get a nomination here. Yeah, for especially just for only picking nominations, she, she seems like a lot to get nominated almost like every year for the rest of her life. As she should. I think this, I can almost feel like I can call the win here, and that is Glenn Close for The Hillbilly Elegy. Agreed. This is going to be an adaptation of the book that was obviously very famous um, a few years ago coming out of the 2016 election when it kind of covers a demographic that a lot of people were interested in covering. The book is by J.D. Vance. The movie is being directed by Ron Howard for Netflix, but we'll get a qualifying run. You remember a couple years ago we did this thing with Glenn Close where it was sort of what happened with Renee Zellweger this year. It was just you're coronated in September and it's just a cakewalk to the Oscars. And that was supposed to be Glenn Close for the wife. And then it didn't happen. She was upset by Olivia Coleman for the favorite. I think we're just going to do that all again this year. But this time I think she'll probably just see it all the way through and, and win her first Oscar. Yeah, I think um, this feels pretty inevitable. Um, maybe not the most exciting pick in the world, but also a pick that makes total sense. So um, uh, if I didn't know you were picking this already, I would have done the same thing. Now, more often than not, a safe bet in these categories is to pick a real-life person. I guess in theory, Glenn Close is playing a real-life person, but not a famous person. For supporting actor, though, I'm going to go with Will Smith playing a real-life famous person. He's going to be in a movie called King Richard, where he's playing Richard Williams, the famous or infamous, I guess, depending on how you how you see it, sports dad of uh, Venus and Serena Williams. It's probably a little aggressive to call him infamous, but it's more the kind of encapsulation of the sports dad stereotype or archetype. And this is one kind of Will Smith coming off of already a successful movie in Bad Boys for Life in 2020 and kind of looking at somebody who might have sort of some momentum across the year. Will Smith's my pick here. I think... I love Will Smith personally, but man, he's had some just bad movies over the last couple of years. Uh, uh, I feel like when he makes an Oscar push, it's very obvious that he is really striving for legitimacy here. Or, or I, I could just be reading into that too much, but this really—I mean, when this was announced, I'm like, "Oh, yeah, Will Smith wants an Oscar again." So um, I don't disagree with you. I'm just—we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm certainly intrigued by the movie, but uh, I find it hard to see Will Smith as an Academy kind of actor, if that makes any sense. It's been 13 years since The Pursuit of Happiness. It's been 18 since Ali. Um, so it's been a while. It seems like a role that is tailor-made for award season, at least consideration, if not nomination. I mean, we're not even considering the Bright sequel, but you know, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Yeah, Netflix has money, but they chose to spend it in a different way. <laughs> Uh, a movie I thought about using here was the previously mentioned Aaron Sorkin movie, The Trial of Chicago 7, only because it has so many supporting actors in it. Uh, Eddie Redmayne, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, um, just Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you know, you could probably figure one of those would get a nomination here. Uh, but I'm not going to do the smart pick, and I'm going to make another pick based on who I want myself to win personally, which probably isn't always the smartest thing to do. But I'm going to go with Willem Dafoe and Nightmare Alley, uh, the Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, 
I'm still really upset that he didn't get, at least get a nomination for The Lighthouse, which I think was one of his a career performance and a career full of career performances. So, you know, I can only imagine the kind of character he's going to play in this movie, but uh, I'm hoping this is, this is one that he'll get. He was nominated, I think, the last three years in terms, or I guess at least the last two at Attorney's Gate and The Florida Project. A lot of people did think maybe The Lighthouse this year and he wasn't, so could definitely see him getting back on track with that. Actress, what's your pick here? So I have a couple of guesses here that I think are all relatively safe. Uh, I talked a little bit ago about the movie Ammonite. Kate Winslet will be the lead in that. I think she's a decent shout. Um, there's a movie we haven't talked about yet called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, uh, which is a Michael Showalter movie based on a documentary by the same name. It's the history of the te- famous televangelist Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, Jessica Chastain will be playing that lead character, and I think this just the setup for this kind of screams Oscar movie as well. That's a consideration. And again, I'm going. <laughs> I gotta stop doing this. I'm going with someone who I really want to win. And that's Amy Adams in uh, the upcoming Ron Howard movie, Hillbilly Elegy. Amy Adams notoriously snubbed multiple times across the spectrum of television and movies. Maybe this will be your time. Yeah, that seems like a movie that could have a lot of awards relevance uh, as we get into the season. A lot of these picks, as I try to project a year out, I try to, you know, I'm looking at people who have won in the past or have been nominated in the past. But for Best Actress, I'm, I'm betting on a breakout. And that's just to be a huge year for Ana de Armas. Obviously, she kind of was introduced to the world. She was in Blade Runner 2049, and she was really good in that. She had her breakout, I would say, this fall as the, as the main character in, in Rian Johnson's Knives Out. Here's what her year looks like from there. So in a few weeks, she's going to be in a movie called The Night Clerk. It's kind of an independent movie. A lot of people may not see that movie. She's going to be in a movie called Sergio, which also is about to come out on Netflix. Netflix, it'll be piped into people's homes. I think people may get familiar with that. And then in April, she is a Bond girl in No Time to Die. In the fall, she'll be in Deep Water. This is from Adrian Lin, who made Nine and a Half Weeks. Ben Affleck is the co-star in that movie. And then to cap it all off, she'll be playing Norma Jean, Marilyn Monroe in Blonde from Andrew Dominic. And it seems like by the time that that comes out, she will be well within the mainstream consciousness. She'll be playing Marilyn Monroe. I think it'll seem like an obvious pick by the time we get there. Yeah, um, it's another one of those actresses where this is her moment. Um, I had some really good performances and some really good movies, and now she's in every movie ever. So uh, I'm not mad about it, and I think she's a a pretty nailed-on pick there as well. Best actor is somebody who's certainly been in the consciousness for a long time for my pick, and that's Anthony Hopkins. He's in a movie called The Father that premiered at Sundance, was received well. He's opposite Olivia Colman, and he's playing an aging father with a deteriorating mental condition. Again, this was Anthony Hopkins who was nominated for The Two Popes. So it's, I think sometimes it's easy to forget. What are you trying to say about The Two Popes? Well, I don't know if it was the most relevant movie that I saw in 2019, but there are certain people that just, when they do work, the Academy notices, and I think that. I think that even something that's premiering this early, Anthony Hopkins has the name power to, to get into the category. I don't disagree. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off some upcoming performances here, and I will make my mind up, hopefully, as I'm talking about them. Um, probably on the lower end of the probability spectrum, it's Tom Hardy playing Al Capone in an upcoming film called Fonzo. 
uh, written and directed by Josh Trank. Um, that movie also has Linda Cardinelli, Matt Dillon, Kyle MacLachlan in it. Uh, it's about a historical figure that everyone knows about. Tom Hardy's great. Probably it's possible he'll get a nomination there. Um, the new Paul Schrader movie called The Card Counter uh, featuring Oscar Isaac. I love Oscar Isaac. Uh, you can always depend on a Paul Schrader movie to do well. I think his last movie, First Reform, got a lot of attention. And if he continues that momentum, I can see some nominations going his way here. Uh, we have the aforementioned Defy Bloods. Uh, the star will be Chadwick Boseman there. He's a well-known name and a well-known movie from a well-known director. I think it's a possibility there. Um, but my guess is, is going to be Matt Damon. For which movie, I'm not sure. Uh, so two roles coming up. He has a movie called The Last Duel, which we may have mentioned before. It's the Ridley Scott movie. Uh, and it was starring Ben Affleck and uh, Adam Driver. He also has a movie called Stillwater coming up. Um, which was directed by Tom McCarthy. Uh, it's a man working to exonerate his estranged daughter of a murder she didn't commit, uh, starring Abigail Breslin as well. Matt Damon is someone everyone likes. He doesn't necessarily give performances where you kind of sit back in your chair and go, wow, that was acting with a capital A, or maybe something that the Oscars would, would, would recognize. So I'm, I'm going to go with him in The Last Duel. I think uh, that movie is going to get the most Oscar attention. Uh, you know, him reunited with Ben Affleck will be a story. I think I think this could be a, a year of Matt Damon. Yeah, it seems about due time for him to cycle back in. Obviously, people liked his performance in Ford vs. Ferrari, and he never really broke through with such a crowded race this year. So we're almost there. Last pick, last one is Best Picture. We did it. We almost did it. <laughs> and I'm going to go with The French Dispatch. So this is the new Wes Anderson film. Comes out this summer. Summer releases don't have a great history of winning Oscars, see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but they certainly get get nominated, especially when their casts are, and I'm going to go ahead and read this off, Timothy Chalamet, Francis McDormand, Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Sharice Ronan, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Edward Norton, Liev Shriver, William Dafoe, Angelica Houston... This is a movie that's going to take place basically three stories within a New Yorker-esque type of news organization. You can watch the trailer now. It's already available. It's being distributed by the new Searchlight Pictures, which is kind of the post-Disney acquisition Fox Searchlight studio. Anderson's 10th directorial effort. Um, obviously, you know his famous work from the Darjeeling Limited to... Moon, Moonrise Kingdom. It's a Grand Budapest Hotel. He's a staple at the at the award shows, and I think that just for a nomination within Best Picture, French Dispatch seems like a pretty safe bet. I agree, and I'm pretty pumped for that movie. Every Wes Anderson movie is 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 cause for celebration. I think his last live action movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel, is really the culmination of his style, and it really all came together. He broke it up with another animated movie before that. Um, and he got nominated for Isle of Dogs, too, for animated. Right. So I think with that cast and that pedigree there, I think you're, you're pretty spot on. I'm going to go with something even more obvious that we've mentioned before, and that's uh, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Um, I'm, I'm going to go even further in saying that I think this is going to win Best Picture. Obviously, it's a remake based on the 1961 film, which also itself was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, and it won Best Picture itself. Um, but Spielberg is 
someone who I feel like is in that stage now where we're almost taking for granted of him. And he's only won one Best Picture with Schindler's List. He's been nominated several times. But I kind of feel like this could be a situation where it's a well-known, big-budget, big-star movie where we kind of reward him for his past performances as well as his current performances. And I, I think I think he's going to win this one. Uh, I, I mean, I'm excited for it as well. Again, it's a year of musicals. This is a pretty classic musical. I, I you know, there's lots of good picks here, but kind of similar to the big name heavy hitter directors who were up for contention this last year. I think this is Spielberg's year. Yeah, and assuming that the Academy kind of vacillates between cinephile favorite and kind of mainstream inevitable movie, if you just sort of look back at the kind of back and forth that we've seen between Parasite this year but Green Book the year before it would seem to be time to go back to West Side Story will probably fall into more of that traditional Oscar type of movie and and that may be the direction they go this year yeah and you know the one thing it may not have going for it is you know it has a good cast but it doesn't have a, a the, the star-studded cast that some of these other ones have. I think he cast a lot of unknowns for, for dancing and singing reasons, which is always good when you're making a musical. Uh, I mean, the star is Ansel Elgort, who I personally think is terrible. <laughs> even even as an Edgar Wright fan. Yeah, he, he, you know, he... I can't imagine him in this movie either, which makes it even more troubling, but uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Um, so I, I'm not sure how much that will factor into it, but I mean, come on, it's Spielberg. Everyone knows who he is, um, and... Pretty, pretty certain he's going to get at least a nomination, but I'm, I'm going to go further and say that he's going to win the whole thing. Yeah, the one thing that's interesting about West Side Story is that it is a Walt Disney Studio release. They don't historically put a lot of money bet- behind awards pushes. I don't know that you need a lot of money to get Steven Spielberg December release nominated for Best Picture, so that may not really come into yeah, you, play. You might not have to market it at all. I want to just mention one other film that we haven't talked about at all, which might get a nomination here as well for Best Picture, and that's the uh, the war film Greyhound, starring Tom Hanks, who also wrote the movie. Um, World War II movie, uh, Tom Hanks is in it, Elizabeth Shue, a late, late, it's, it's being released in May, which I guess isn't the best time for, for something like this, but uh, Tom Hanks is someone who the Academy has goodwill towards, and... Um, Man, the Academy loves war movies, so um, uh, just wanted to bring that up to something that we hadn't brought up yet. We might have skipped film editing. I don't know if we talked about film editing, or maybe I just skipped no, film we editing. Didn't. I picked Edgar Wright. For Got it. You picked Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Did I pick William Goldenberg for News of the World? I think I skipped it. So Tom Hanks is also going to be in a movie called News of the World, which is a, also a wartime movie, just a different war. It's a Civil War era movie um, from the director of Captain Phillips, William Goldenberg. Um, has been nominated in the past for, um, well, he won for Argo. He's been nominated four other times. Um, Film editing is often related to Best Picture, and News of the World is another movie that seems like it could be in the Best Picture discussion. Yeah, it's weird how there's a lot of different big-name actors who are in multiple movies this year. I don't don't know what that means, or if everyone spent 2019 working, and now that's all coming out in 2020, but... um, uh, I think when we get to award seasons, there's going to be a certain list of actors and actresses that are named multiple times. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if some of these people get multiple nominations even. Um, so we'll see, it. we'll see what happens. Well, even after I edit this down, it'll be well over an hour long. We've covered a ton of ground. Yeah, I think the best part of doing this 
and I would encourage others who are interested to think about it in the same way is that you realize how many movies are coming out this year that you're excited about uh, and we there's tons we could have named here that we didn't it looks to be another great year for movies I'm excited to see pretty much everything we've talked about um, and you know we're in the doldrums of January and February now where we have to you know watch Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> but I think come summer and autumn time we're gonna we're gonna have another loaded slate of really good movies coming out yeah I'm looking forward to it already well Mark thank you for doing this appreciate it thanks for having me